Merry New Year, everyone, uh, and welcome to the January 1st, 2016 edition of Car to Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. As is our tradition, we're spending the holiday looking forward to 2016, and the issues will likely be discussed around this very table throughout the year. And we decided, since we do our Christmas sweaters and our holiday sweaters for uh, our year uh, review of 2015, it'd be kind of nice to have our ski sweaters, our APRE uh, winter sweaters here for uh, look, our 2016 program. So. Hope you enjoy the uh, comfortable uh, woolen look we have today. To get things rolling, let's ask everyone what your one word or phrase you think would best describe 2016. Penny Calhoun from Westward, start us off. Well, since I labeled 2015 Trumpy, I'm going to go with Trump Shus for 2016, which is just taking grumpy and throwing in suspicious. I like it. I like it uh, a, a lot. David Culpa from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Your one word or phrase that you think will best describe 2016? Dangerous. Our foreign enemies have taken the measure of the president and they have determined, uh, I think they agree with Chris Christie, that he's a feckless weakling and they know they've got a year where they can go and do pretty much what they want with little pushback. Putin wherever in the Ukraine, could be the Baltics, could be his next target. Uh, the Chinese empire continuing to expand. The Iranians uh, with that $100, million, $100, billion, sorry, $100 million that uh, Obama's given them, which they can now invest in further terrorism. And ISIS continuing its program of using U.S. immigration laws to sneak its sleeper cells into the United States. Eric Sonnen, political consultant, uh, trying to recover from that optimistic, cheery view of what 2016 might be like with your one word or phrase. I won't be quite that dark, although I don't wholly disagree. My word is unpredictable, which probably makes for an interesting start of the year show when we're supposed to make predictions. But I'll just go with unpredictable. I think it's going to be a wild ride politically, and I think it's going to be a wild uh, and hairy ride in terms of both foreign and domestic issues. And round out the panel, Penfield Tate, attorney with QTAC Rock, long-time state lawmaker. Your one word or phrase for 2016? Um, I think defining, because the American voters are going to be given a choice whether they're, they're going to be driven by fear and this adult anxiety that some reporters talk about and looking for the, the fiercest candidate, or if they're going to look to try to rise above just the, the, the fear of the moment and determine what really defines the country and what's best for us. Defining because the Middle East has got its, as a whole host of problems, but Europe has got some issues, too, that no one wants to talk about. And we have to figure out, you know, how the, the EU is going to work through their economic issues because part of what drives our foreign policy is the cohesion or lack thereof in Europe. So uh, there's some important elections here coming up for them and in the relationship with the new president with Europe. And then, of course, you've got the Middle East and Russia and just conflict around the globe, how we sort some of these things out. And, and I think 2016 is, is going to define where we head um, for years to come. 
The conversation topic that is likely to use up most of the air in the room in 2016 is the presidential election. Hillary Clinton looks like the assured Democratic nominee, while the Republican race at this point is still very much up for grabs. Donald Trump, uh, whether as a GOP frontrunner or as a threat as a third-party candidate, is likely not to go away anytime soon. Uh, Patty, we love to ruin political careers all over the place with our predictions, but when we're talking about this a year from now, which nominees do you think we'll be talking about facing off in November? Well, let's see. A year ago, I said it would for sure in 2016 be Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush, and I think we... I, safely put the nail in the coffin for Jeb Bush on that one. <laughs> Tough guy he might be, but it does not look like he is going to be the nominee. At this point, I think we can safely say Hillary will have it. And I have to think we will have Donald Trump on the ballot one way or another, even though at the debate two weeks ago he said he agreed he would not be a third-party candidate. That's a guy who can change his mind. You're saying Donald Trump would flip up on an issue? It's shocking, but it's Trumptious. <laughs> and I think it's very possible that if he doesn't get the nomination, he'll be peeved enough, he's got enough money, why not do a third-party run? Although I'm thinking right now he may well be the candidate. If you see how well he's polling, he plays well to people who are terrified. And unfortunately, I think we are going to get just more and more frightened in 2016. David, I think for uh, some cynical people, it seems like right now we're, uh, the presidential race is a bunch of caricatures. You can caricature where Hillary Clinton is this legacy candidate, kind of doing whatever she can to be uh, a presidential candidate, but 20 years of legacy there. You have Donald Trump, which actually looks like a cartoon character, especially the stuff he says, and then everybody else racing to kind of get the attention. When it's all said and done, the dust settles, do you think it's going to be as crazy and as fractious as it looks right now? Um, Trump only wins if he expands the standard Republican electorate, which he, he plans to do. But the, the closer you get to people who are regular primary voters, caucus goers, in, in based in past Republican presidential contests, the weaker Trump is. His strongest support comes from people who, who often don't vote. Um, if he can change them and if he can get them to vote, then, then he'll, he may well win the Republican nomination. I haven't yet seen from him the kind of organization that, is that Obama had to bring out similar people for him and, and win, win in uh, 2008. I don't accept the inevitability of Hillary Clinton. Eight years ago, we were saying almost the same thing, that, yeah, this Obama guy was coming on, and maybe he's got a chance, but it still looks very likely that Hillary's going to be the nominee. I remember that the National Journal did a poll of Democratic insiders and consultants and strategists uh, in about January, the first week in January of 2004, and they were essentially unanimous that Howard Dean had the nomination wrapped up. It didn't work out that way. Um, with my perhaps over-optimistic faith in America, I am going to be caucusing, uh, as are all the other d Democrats at the Independence Institute, for Bernie Sanders, uh, <laughs> because our view is he's not the head of a longtime head of an organized crime syndicate, which takes huge million, millions and millions and millions of dollars in legal bribery from foreign tyrants. So that gives him, in my view, a big leg up uh, on the Democratic front-runner, and I'm hopeful the rest of the Democrats will uh, at least elect, vote for somebody who actually has beliefs, uh, consistent ones, and is not an organized crime boss. 
between organized crime boss and the other accusations aside we have from David, Eric, when I look at Hillary Clinton, and I, and I recognize the point that David makes, that in 2008 she really was caught flat-footed. Barack Obama came in, she thought she was going to be having a parade, and he took all the attention and the presidency. I don't know if she's going to let that happen this year, whether it be from legal or illegal means. Uh, she's going to get the nomination. But I don't know if she's cheering on this kind of clown car effect we have in the GOP or if that's actually raising enough uh, awareness where people are, could tell you more about a Marco Rubio or uh, uh, Ted Cruz or Donald Trump or Jeb Bush, all these different people, because we see them so often, at least throughout 2015. We probably will throughout a lot of 2016. If you're Hillary, are you enjoying what you're seeing so far in 2015? She probably is, at least in the second part, the latter months of 2015. Let's not forget that the early part and middle part of 2015 was disastrous for her. She just kept going downhill. She kept treading water on a good day. The email scandal wouldn't go away. Bernie Sanders did, a did her a tremendous favor in that first debate when he sort of put the email scandal aside. And then as the Republican thing has engaged, obviously that has sucked up all the oxygen. And, and Donald Trump is one to suck all the oxygen out of, out of any room. Let me unpack it quickly one at a time. On the Democratic side, I hear what David is saying in terms of an alternative candidate to Hillary. Bernie Sanders is just too marginalized ideologically you know he might do well in Iowa he might do well in New Hampshire but then where does he go I mean I, the Democratic Party has moved distinctly left witness Hillary Clinton's change in multiple positions but I don't think they have moved that far left and you look at Martin O'Malley and what do you say about Martin O'Malley he's no Barack Obama but Barack Obama whatever kind of president he's been was maybe a once-in-a-lifetime, certainly once-in-a-generation kind of political talent in 2008, and that doesn't exist on the Democratic side right now. The only other thing about Hillary is, with the Clinton machine, you never know what scandal is lurking around the next corner. So we always deal with what we have on the table, but what we have on the table might not be what is ultimately on the table, and you don't know where it's going. On the Republican side, I mean, we could talk forever. I won't. I think, as I uh, pointed out on a show a couple weeks ago, I think it's fairly quickly going to sort into a much smaller field, even though we started with 17 candidates or something like that. Trump will be around for quite a while. I think there'll be an evangelical candidate, most likely Ted Cruz, but that will sort out in the early primaries. That will be a mainstream, more moderate, although moderate is a relative term these days, candidate, most likely Marco Rubio. Jeb Bush might have the money to give it a ride for a while, but we're going to have a wild ride. Lastly, about Donald Trump, forgetting whether his word is worth anything or not. If he's going to run third party, he has to make that decision pretty quickly, certainly by early March. And my supposition is he's still going to be a, whether he gets the nomination or not, he's going to be at the epicenter of the Republican Party come March when he would have to signal, make that signal and start qualifying for those ballots. So I think it's a practicality that mitigates against him running third party as much as anything. Just brings his parade to the convention and see who bows at the, the, the Trump throne to swing his voters that way. Might be interesting. Ben, uh, if uh, we, we talked about 2008 and we talked about how Hillary was really swept by a uh, young upstart senator in Barack Obama, could she have problems with another young senator in the form of Marco Rubio <laughs> if he's the nominee? It, it's difficult to tell because at, at this point, 
Um, I don't know how damaged a Marco Rubio will be coming out of the Republican process. Um, a, a part of me wishes you could have a debate with all 17 or 18 people running for the GOP nomination and O'Malley, Sanders and Clinton and whoever the Green or um, other third party and put them all on the stage together and just let them have at it for a couple, three hours um, just to, 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 to sort of purge yourself of, of <laughs> any sense of, of rationality. Um, I don't know. I, on the Republican side, I, I, I disagree with much of what's been said around the table. I don't think Hillary Clinton, as the Democratic frontrunner, should be pleased at all with what's transpiring. I think that with Donald Trump, part of what's happening is, in a way, the, the other side of the coin that we saw with Obama. I think Trump is speaking to a certain part of the Republican Party that may not have been active in caucuses and primaries before, but will be now because they're that agitated, they're, they're that afraid, they're that entertained um, that they, I think, are going to engage and show up and keep him afloat far longer than people think. I mean, a year ago, we thought this was ludicrous that Trump was even talking about running for president. He's the front runner, has stayed the front runner for this period of time. You know, all of the bad stuff we know about him, he's a serial bankruptcy filer, he cheats all of his, you know, business associates, he sues all of his lawyers, all of the bad stuff is out there. And none of it has changed the way the press covers him or how people express their feelings about him. You know, if you watch the one, um, the, the political analyst who did the one focus group, you, you saw all these people say, oh, he's saying what needs to be said, which some people might find kind of frightening. But I don't think that's the smallest segment of um, the U.S. population or the, the Republican voting population, as people will think. So I think he's going to stay around a while and drive a number of these folks out of the race. Between Cruz and Rubio, I don't know who survives. Unfortunately, the way they handled themselves at the last debate, it's a zero-sum game for them. It's going to be one or the other, and, and, and that's the end of it. I don't know if Bush can sustain. Um, I'm kind of surprised and look for somebody like Christie or Kasich may have the ability to just hang in there long enough, sort of as the voice of reason, like, okay, let's quit hollering and screaming and arguing. Let's talk about real policy or real issues and try to bring some folks back to reality. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think the, the, the American voters are as, as liberal as Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are, and I don't think they're as far right as Trump and the rest of the, the Republicans are. Nobody's speaking to the folks right now who are really going to make the decision, and that's what makes this all difficult to figure out. If Bernie Sanders could figure out a way to explain what he would do with some of the issues he's identified, he might resonate a little bit and give Hillary a real challenge, but his, his, his campaign just hasn't been able to do that yet. I just like to go on the time machine, go back to 2014, and say that we would describe Chris Christie as the voice of reason, the GOP. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado will host at least two high-profile federal races, fourth U.S. Senator Michael Bennett running for re-election, and Representative Mike Kaufman facing a challenge in the 6th District from former State Senator Morgan Carroll. Uh, David, in both these races, we have uh, a real title fight with Morgan Carroll and Mike Kaufman, two uh, seasoned... Um, uh, campaign veterans. They both like to campaign. Uh, it's Morgan's, uh, Morgan Carroll's from Aurora. That's going to be a pretty big fight. And Michael Bennett, uh, described throughout 2015 as a vulnerable candidate, but we still haven't seen a major name come out as a Republican nominee. There, there are certainly uh, Republican candidates, but we haven't seen the kind of um, 
the equivalent of a Corey Gardner whisper that what happened with Mark Udall. Uh, this time next year, what do you think we'll be talking about about those both those races? I think the, the, the Carol Kaufman race is going to be close and very well fought on both sides. I think you've got two outstanding candidates, both of whom, by the way, you know, they would also be good enough to be U.S. Senate candidates and run very strong statewide races. And this will be one of the, the top U.S. House races in the United States. Um, if there were a wave election, like in, in 2008, where, where Obama carried a lot of down-ticket Democrats to victory, I think Morgan Carroll would win that race. I don't see the race developing that way. It could be uh, a wave against uh, the Democrats, depending on if Mrs. Clinton um, has a tough challenger, like, say, Marco Rubio. Uh, I think that, that might pull... Kauf, give Kaufman a, a maybe an easier victory than we're expecting right now, but it, it's, it's going to be tough and well fought on both sides. On on Michael Bennett, um, sort of the worst thing that could happen for him is he just runs against a generic Republican. Uh, you know, he he didn't win that race back in 2010 because people said we we want you to be senator. It's it was more that he had managed to terrify enough swing voters about Ken Buck. Uh, the incessant fundraising emails that all the candidates are sending out. Bennett's emails are all about, if you lose me, the Democrats might lose the Senate. Uh, oh, the Koch brothers are, are like so evil and they're, you know, the, they're, they're coming to uh, take over everything. Very little positive about himself. His numbers, does he deserve to be reelected, are, are quite low. So if you just get a competent Republican candidate who maybe ideally stays out of the limelight in some ways, uh, that could be very dangerous for him. Eric, hopefully you and I will be talking to candidates both in the 6th Congressional District and the U.S. Senate race, uh, in, at least in the middle of 2015, or 2016. Um, what do you think about the idea that we just had from, from David? If you're Michael Bennett at this stage of the game without any real high-profile thinking, I'm not trying to mm -hmm. in, insult the current candidates, but uh, even folks who follow it are still trying to figure out a little bit more about them. Do you, uh, do you think Michael Bennett is happy at this stage of the game? I, I would go out on a limb. I mean, having said the years unpredictable as my one word, <laughs> my prediction would be that both of these incumbents, both Michael Bennett and Mike Kaufman, are going to be hard to dislodge, that they have the advantages. Let me go in the opposite order and, and do CD6 first. I've heard this talk now for several cycles about this being one of the hot races nationally. I mean, there was so much buildup around Andrew Romanoff that this was going to be the congressional race to watch in the country. Obviously, it fizzled. Uh, Bennett won, excuse me, Kaufman won by nine or ten points. I think it was double digits, if I, if I recall right. Morgan Carroll, in some respects, fits the district better than uh, Andrew Romanoff did. Mike Kaufman strikes me as the Republican at Perlmutter, which is that is a very competitive swing district if it was ever an open district. But as long as they're in that seat, there is a tough burden to dislodge them. On this, on this Senate race, the most interesting news has been in the last week or so when the name of a young state legislator from Jefferson County, John Kaiser, has been, has been floated and he's apparently going to make a decision after the first of the year as to whether he enters the race. Clearly there are a whole lot of Republicans who see him as possibly the salvation because the rest of the field is a nowhere field. No one there, I don't think most uh, analysts or Republican politicos take seriously as being a, a potential plausible candidate to bring Bennett down. 
Kaiser would not be able to clear the field as Corey Gardner did. I mean, when Corey raised his hand and said, I'm running, the waters parted, he cleared the field. John Kaiser does not have that kind of clout. So there will be a competitive primary. There'll be Tim Neville from the Tea Party side running. There'll be others. If Kaiser could emerge from that primary, he could give Bennett a race. That said, let's not forget that Cory Gardner being the best Republican candidate on that bench, running in the best year Republicans are going to see, 2014, that they're going to see for some period of time, only won that Senate race by 1.9 points. Michael Bennett is not as polarized uh, as Mark Udall was, and he's running in a presidential year, which works for Democrats much better than the off year does. It's going to be hard. It's a hard scenario to imagine that Michael Bennett doesn't uh, continue to serve in the U.S. Senate. Penn, local federal races, U.S. Senate race, Congressional District 6. Uh, do you predict any uh, surprises? Possibly in CD6. But, but I think, interestingly enough, I think part of it turns on the, the Senate race. I think what's happening in the Senate race is if you're Michael Bennett, you're, you're, I think you're you're guardedly optimistic, but you're a little uneasy right now because you don't quite know how the national conversation is going to play out. Um, and who you, you have a pretty good sense Hillary will, will be the Democratic nominee, but the race is really going to be defined by who the Republican nominee is. And I'm still not eliminating the possibility that it's Donald Trump, which just makes this whole thing a, a, a very weird, unpredictable um, election season. One thing, a couple of things Michael Bennett has going for him. Um, he, he's not made any major gaffes, and I think that some folks felt that, that Udall was, was guilty of that. And the other thing is, remember, you know, Bennett was part of the Gang of Eight. He, he is sort of known as the moderate consensus builder who crosses the aisle and tries to find solutions to a host of different things. Whether you agree with those solutions or not, at least within the Washington sphere and beyond, he's perceived as that person who's trying to work in a bipartisan fashion which I think resonates well with Coloradans, and it's where a lot of Coloradans are, which is why we're a purple state, because often we vote with who the candidate is. You know, the national tide will affect us in many instances, but, but I think Bennett fits Colorado right now, which is interesting because he's not from Colorado, but I, I think he's attuned to Colorado in terms of how he's positioned himself politically. Um, I don't think Kaiser gets there, and I don't think any of the other Republican candidates do either, which is unfortunate because if there were a stronger U.S. Senate candidate on the R side of the aisle, that would give Mike Kaufman an additional boost because I agree with Eric that the district is competitive, but... If you're an incumbent, you have an advantage. I think Kaufman's helped significantly if he has a strong Republican on the U.S. Senate ticket, and it doesn't look like he's going to get that. So Mike's going to have to work very hard again, and Morgan's going to be formidable. Don't know if she'll win, but she's going to be formidable. Patty, wrap it up for us. Colorado may be a purple state, but I think we're going to get there in 2016 by being black and blue and bloody. It is going to be an ugly, ugly campaign season, but I think by the time it's all over, ironically, we will have the two incumbents back. Going back to Mike Hoffman, even though Morgan Carroll is a really interesting, strong ca candidate, will be a great campaigner, I think Mike Hoffman's military background will play really well again in 2016. We cannot forget... It's going to be a scary year, and if it's truly a Trumpish year with Trump on the ballot, we're going to be hearing a lot of that drum beating. 
with Bennett, even though there's all the money that's out there that people are talking about for Kaiser, it was rumored he's been offered, you know, we promised $3 million in a campaign chest. I heard $2 million pr promised to another candidate. Michael Bennett has raised plenty of money, and he hasn't done a lot of missteps. I mean, he does look like a consensus builder, and I think in a Trumpshire year, that's still going to look okay. So at the end of the day, I think we'll still have those two, but we are going to come out bruised. <laughs> well, we don't know yet who's going to be the disgrace of the, of the year in 2016 or someone to say something nice about 2016. So let's go with a couple of predictions. Um, let's start with a global or national prediction for 2016. Patty. Um, we will have another bad terrorist attack, but we will figure out ways to combat them and we'll be a lot better off a year from now in how to fight. David. Un presidente cubano-americano. Oh, there you go. Eric. Very good. Uh, to Patty's point, I think we're going to have significantly and frighteningly more random acts of terrorism, not the big deals, not the 9-11s, knock on wood but more like the San Bernardinos and the Chattanoogas, and we're going to learn, have to learn to live with them. And secondly, maybe O.J. will find that real killer. <laughs> at, least on, at least in the TV movie. Penn. Uh, I, I think the economy is going to play a huge role. Um, the Fed just uh, ticked up interest rates again. I, I think our recovery is not as strong as perhaps the Fed and others are thinking with the um, upheaval uh, in Europe with the European Union and everything. Uh, I, I think... The global economy is in for a rough ride in 2016, and I think the U.S. economy is also. It'll be interesting to see how 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 bitter the the battle becomes between deregulating what we got through Dodd Frank and other things as a result of the fiscal crisis of 0809 versus what remedial changes are made to sort of help working class people keep their heads above water with the growing disparity between the haves and the have-nots. And quickly, a local prediction. Well, I want to actually say something nice for 2016. I've got it. Happy 100th anniversary to the Emily Griffith Opportunity School. Emily Griffith founded this school, first of its kind in the country, 100 years ago. Very nice. David. In Colorado, where Democrats, although not Republicans, are allowed to make binding caucus votes in the presidential race, uh, Bernie Sanders will do quite well, and that will provide him important momentum nationally. Bold predictions. I like it. Eric. We didn't get to it in the guts of the show, but uh, half of the activity politically in this state is going to be around ballot issues. The last few cycles, we haven't seen all that many. It's been a little more sparse. This is going to be a huge year for ballot issues. The whole building a better Colorado Tabor reform, we'll see where that goes. We have a single-payer ballot initiative coming on health care. That will get a lot of attention. We have some political reform ballot measures. We haven't even talked about fracking. This is going to be a wild year, not just for candidates, but down the ballot for issues. Ben. Uh, and because of all of the things Eric mentioned, I think um, this year we will see some coalition build in Colorado to reform citizen access to the ballot by initiative, whether it be statutory or constitutional. I think people are tired of 22-page um, ballots showing up in their homes. Call it the Gallagher-Tabor Amendment 23 yeah. Amendment. Yeah. All right, gotcha. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our look ahead to 2016. We're back with our regular lineup next week. We hope to see you then. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.
My name is Sarah Newberry and I am the floor director here for Colorado Inside Out and Colorado Public 12. And what I mainly do is I am the go-between, the control room and the talent. So I am listening in on my headset and they are giving me direction um, on when to tell the talent to stand by, whether or not I need them to read through their script, um, whether or not um, they need to look at a certain camera. They tell me and then I will go ahead and relay that onto the talent. Here we go, uh, studio, are you ready? Yes, sir, we're ready on the floor. So one of the responsibilities of the floor director is making sure everything on the floor is in its place and ready to go for the television show that we're gonna take. So that includes making sure set pieces are correctly placed on the floor, lighting is in the correct place, um, and shooting the correct places. Um, set pieces, which tables and chairs, they are in not only uh, in alignment with the camera, but in alignment with the set pieces behind them. Another one of the things I like to do, and it is part of the floor director's job, is to make sure all of the talent is properly mic'd and ready to go, uh, what we call camera ready. So if they need a little makeup, they have water available to take a sip, they have the correct script in front of them, um, and they're seated in the correct chair. Another one of the things that we want to do is we want to make sure Everyone is looking good for television. My motto is, is if they don't look good, I don't look good. And my name's on the credits, so I want to make sure everybody on set is looking their best. So I make sure everybody's hair is set, in case they have a couple of flyaways, get those down. Um, everyone has a tendency to look a little shiny on TV, so we always, always have a little bit of powder, and I have it marked for this is my lightest powder. Um, so just have a little powder handy, knock down some of the shine, um, and just make sure overall that everybody looks and feels their best so that they can present themselves great on TV, which makes for a great story, which makes for a great show. So that when the all-important time comes and the director is in my ear saying, Floor director ready for mic and cue. Stand by, we're gonna start in five, four, three, and I get them going. So I'll see you on the next episode of Colorado Inside Out. I have no idea, why do elephants well, paint their toenails red? To hide in cherry trees. <laughs> No way, no way, no way. No way. Have you ever seen an elephant in a cherry tree? I have not. Apparently it's Because <laughs> you never see one. <laughs>